0: Those are the first words I ever read. I woke to them every day for many years. They were written on a sign. The sign was hung above the opposite row of bunks in the sleeping barn. I have no memories from before the farm. I just assumed I was born there. None of the children there knew why we were here or where we came from. No one even knew how long we'd been at the farm. Some children aged and some didn't. I can't remember much. But that's what happens when you are not given too much to remember. What I do remember was that I was always deliriously hungry we would be fed three small meals a day. But before everyone, the headmaster would make us watch him sprinkle a few drops of clear liquid from a labelless brown bottle onto the food. Then he would serve behind a steel door and slide out each meal through the window, so you would never know if your meal was poisoned. Now, most of us just danced around the edges of their food. No one was eager to dive in. Not when we had seen a dozen kids turn blue and die right in front of us after picking the wrong meal. Several of us rarely ate the food. Me, myself, I never ate from my plate. I would scavenge what little clean scraps there were in the garbage... And I ate flies and ants and dandelions, cockroaches, clovers, pillbugs, anything living and somewhat edible. But I would keep the spiders. I had a special place for those. The 20 boys and 30 girls worked the fields that provided all the food to the farm, which was a crumbling wood compound fenced behind a tall barbed wire fence and the surrounding woods. Past that, the wilderness. Even though there weren't any spotlights or guards, the farm was much more inescapable than a prison. Every few weeks, the headmaster would take all of us to the edge of his farm, where he would blow a strange brass whistle. Bloodshot German shepherds sprang from the underbush as if they'd been waiting for his call, their mouths foaming as they gnashed their teeth on the rusted barbed wire. They threatened to break in and chew us alive as the headmaster coldly smiled and he spoke with a voice that sounded like gunshots fired far away. He said, They're old guard dogs gone rabid. I have learned through one of you how to train them so they only obey me, and if you run, they will kill you, or make you wish you stayed here with me. Now, the farm never had answers. Very few people came. The rare delivery truck or the prism bus or a black-tinted-window Thunderbird that made a powerful turbine roar. It roared as if rocket engines were installed under the hood. And they only dealt with the headmaster. The only person to leave was the driver of the Thunderbird. There was a rumour that we were not real kids at all. That the Headmaster was a demon who crafted us from blood and ash. We never dared speak to the Headmaster or asked a question, well, any question. Asking a question would mean a touch from his hard, cruel hand. A hand that made the surrounding air a pincushion of pain, That would sting your skin even if his hand only just grazed your skin. But above the poisonings, back-breaking labour and cleaning, scavenging for food and never knowing a single day what was going on, we feared the night's the worst. Being exhausted from working in the fields all day wasn't enough to overcome the fear to sleep. When it was the darkest and the air had fallen still, we would hear the headmaster's creaking footsteps just… just appear in the centre of the draughty barn, without any kind of warning… Sometimes we would hear him walk on the roof, up the walls, on the ceiling. I can still hear his breathing if I close my eyes. That sick pig's wheezing, agonising breath that sucked air in and out of the guttural exhaust. The breathing and the footsteps would circle and circle until he heard someone cry. That's when the Taken would give their one last cry before they were gone, along with the Headmaster. The missing child would return to their beds in the morning, bearing new marks. A glancing finger left a nasty red and purple smear on one side. Sometimes black fingertips dotted their bodies. We would never say anything about these marks to anyone. We were always afraid the headmaster would hear and give us matching marks to boot. Sometimes he would touch you with his entire palm, leaving a wrinkled imprint as raw and as painful as a hot iron brand. I had a few marks as well. But I considered myself lucky that I only had a few marks, well, as far as I could tell anyway. I was one of four boys and five girls who cleaned the headmaster's home, the farmhouse. I was in charge of cleaning the bathrooms. As I did this over time... I eventually found a few loose ceiling boards above the toilet while I was scrubbing for mildew, standing on the windowsill. They were right above the toilet. I began thinking. This was my life for what felt like years. I swore I could have named 25 separate times the snow came. But besides that, we had no way of keeping track of time, not even our ages. I swore, sometimes we would see a kid go from looking 13 or 14 back down to looking half that age. Time made no sense at the farm, and I knew I wasn't going to get out by waiting. When I woke one morning to find a searing red-hot handprint of the headmaster on my upper arm, a hazy, starvation-induced plan emerged from the fog of my brain. I went to the special place by the toilet where I kept every black widow spider that I came across. I kept them behind a false brick on the side of the farmhouse. When I first started my collection, I discovered that black widows were cannibalistic when they grouped together. Only the strongest survived. I kept hosting tournaments until 108 black widow spiders were reduced to 26 of the most toxic, twitchy, and bite-crazy widows you could ever want to meet. I was bitten only twice, and came very close to an agonising death both times. I knew one bite wouldn't do a monster like the Headmaster in, but I was set. I was ready to enact the last stage of my plan when everything changed on that cold day in early December – when a helicopter, as black as the Thunderbird, made a couple of low circles over the farm. The headmaster went insane. He poisoned half of the mills the day after the helicopter came. And after breakfast, he took us all outside to form a queue outside the chicken slaughterhouse. When he began leading us in one by one, a few joined me and ran. Judging from the screams, he caught most of the runners, but he didn't catch me. I spent many nights fantasising about this moment, when I wasn't listening to his footsteps or sick breathing anyway. I put the black widows inside an old chocolate box that I had scavenged out of the woodpile. It was perfect for keeping each one away from each other. I went up through the floorboards and hid in the space in the bathroom. The headmaster may not sleep through this paranoia, but everyone's got to go eventually. Even monsters. Monsters. It was dark by the time that he arrived with his candle. The sound of him pulling down his trousers and his simultaneous grunt masked the sound of me moving the planks above him and pulling the lid on the box of 26 nightmares. I showered the headmaster with the ravenous, crazed gladiators. My beauties began biting the headmaster as soon as they landed the terror of the child farm, the demon that was the headmaster. He lied curled around his toilet, eyes swelling shut, mouth locked in a disgusted, surprised, outrageous gurgle of horror, as he spasmed, as spasms racked his entire body. Before his eyes swelled completely shut, he saw my small seven year old face peering down from the hole in the darkness. The missing child. The headmaster began to cackle. I knew this would happen. There is no free will. I lived 10,000 years already. I lived your happy summers, wonderful marriages, fruitful successes. Your life was beautiful beyond compare. That's why I... He smashed a few spiders scuttling around his face, but I could tell he was fading fast. He said, You and I are ghosts now. These were his last words before the headmaster's breathing stopped. I hid for four hours before carefully making my way to the window, the safest place in the room. The spiders were done and gone. The chopper returned with a convoy of armed men, right before sunrise. I was the only survivor of the farm. The captain of the operation was a man named Clinton Moxley, chief field inspector of the investigation. He adopted me and I took his last name. He was the one who named me Ali. I told my father what little I knew. He did correct me on a few things. That the headmaster had an actual name. He was a man named Clark Gaines. The office he worked for tracked the headmaster down. My father was the man in the Thunderbird. Father Moxley had told me about the time the office had captured the headmaster for study within one of their field labs. The subject grabbed James Manning's wrists one of the team's eldest and most experienced members. They saw James's 59-year-old face twist and contort until the wrinkles disappeared and the flesh lifted up on his face. In a few seconds of agony, James was 20 years younger. My father said that James personally stopped the other agents from interacting with him as they were gathering film evidence for the unique phenomenon associated with Clark Gaines. James was known to be a formidable fighter, but was helpless to the touch of Gaines. Every time his hand would land on James's bare flesh, he would scream and turn more pubescent every second. Gaines only let go when James was a child again, squirming in old men's clothing. He chose victims who had good lives. My father would explain as if this was a bedtime story as he tucked me in. His existence is the greatest evidence that time is a physical dimension, something that exists and has always existed. He lives your years in just a few seconds. James was left with nine bad years out of 59. You would think being young again would be great, but remember that he was left with the mind of a nine-year-old, without care of friends or family. You know that pain well, Allie. The office didn't have the resources to care for James. We believe that Clark Gaines is responsible for over 100,000 homeless children across the world. James was just one of them, another human with a used-up timeline. I asked the only father I knew why he adopted me. He brought me to the master bathrooms, dual mirrors, and told me to take off my shirt. "'Because I owe you. You were a happy 40-something woman once, Ali. You were my partner within the office. You went into the farm by yourself to try and shut it down. I had hoped that you would remember anything about your past, but I see the headmaster got to you too.' I looked behind me using the set of mirrors to see my own back for the first time, and I saw it covered in handprints. That was many years ago. True to the Headmaster's words, I have been a ghost amongst the living ever since. It's been hard even sleeping, especially now, For the past few nights, I have heard both the headmaster's footsteps and rasping breath next to my old woman bed. My father never said they found the headmaster's body. I know he wants me back at that farm. He wants me back. He wants all his children back.